It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. What a day today, Raider Nation Radio. On the flagship of the Silver and Black, good to have you. Feels like it's week 10. Not week one that just came to an end last night in Seattle. Wow, cause for celebration. I often say Raider Nation unite. Raider Nation unite today on the donkey's loss last night in Seattle. I mean, that's a 10-hour radio show without a commercial break. I mean, what a glorious night it was last night in Seattle. Geno Smith beat Russell Wilson. Clock mismanagement. You know, I called the Chargers head coach, Boy Blunder, Do I have to do that for Denver's head coach, Nate Hackett? One of the biggest butcher jobs I've ever seen with under a minute to go with clock management. Russell Wilson. Man, I got a lot to do on Russell Wilson today. Welcome to the show. Start dialing again. It's only a two-hour show because I can't talk more than five hours a day. I do three at night, two during the day, a whole bunch of other things. And these two hours mean everything to me because it's Raider heavy. Even though I have a Cowboy guest today, bottom of the hour, Steve Mariucci. Great friends of the Raider Nation. Mooch from NFL Network at the bottom of the hour. Levi Edwards from the Raiders' in-house digital team content provider. He's one of our new insiders. And Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate on how to bet, how to gamble the chaos of week one, man. Looking forward to that conversation. And in between, we'll take you. If I see you on my screen, we'll take your call at 702-365. 9200 and we're brought to you by golden entertainment they own the stratosphere and there's so much going on if you haven't been to the strat in a while go in and look just go in and look at the lobby look at their beautiful pts that they have there their flagship go up top to the top of the world stay there watch sports they also own 64 taverns in town here and they have the best happy hour in town as you know the best happy hour in town is five to seven and midnight to 2 a.m as i begin the jt the brick show on raider nation radio which you can hear in the bay area live on the raiders mobile app so let's get going and let's start off the show with what happened last night every game matters in the afc west period not just in the afc west every game matters Often Raider fans tell me, JT, when we play a division game, it's like two games. We got to win because it's two games. Stop. I know that. If you lose two games outside the division, if the Raiders lose to the Niners, and if the Raiders lose to, say, the Titans in conference but outside the division, it's two losses. Wins and losses, just do the math. You got to get to 10. Used to be you got to get to nine. You might sneak in for the wild card. Now, in the new Roger Goodell era of 17 games, you got to win 10. I don't give a crap how you get to 10. I don't care what happens in the AFC West, whatever. You get me 10. That's it. Just give me 10 wins. It could be the Houston Texans, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, blah, blah, blah. Get me to 10, and we're good. Okay? Do we all get that? Well, it's, it's really two games in the AFC West. If we, I get it. Win the games you're supposed to win. 
The mass media did not believe the Raiders would win in L.A., and they did not. Vegas has the Raiders at 8.5 wins. They have the Chargers at 10.5. The Raiders were an underdog, and they lost, and they didn't even cover the spread. So that was a really tough game to open up. If you believe in Raider conspiracy theories, you got to ask yourself, what the hell did the Raiders do last year to remove the Chargers from a postseason contention and then have to open up in L.A.? Didn't the Raiders do enough opening up the stadium against Drew Brees and winning? And Lamar Jackson and winning last year? Why did the Raiders get penalized for making the playoffs to have to open up in L.A.? Why not play the Chargers week three? How about give the Raiders a cupcake, open up at home against Houston? They didn't do that. They made it hard on the Raiders. They made it hard. So as we looked at the schedule, and we said it's front-loaded hard, it's back-loaded hard. And in the middle, there's a lot of opportunity to go on a win and go on a streak after the bye week. Nothing's changed. Still going to be tough here in the beginning. The one thing you don't want to do is go 0-2. 0-2 is a nightmare in this league. I've seen it my entire career. It's a nightmare. Stay away from 0-2. My best case scenario for every team in the league, every team other than Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, other than Kansas City, who remains one of the best teams in the league, everybody else go 3-3 and and you'll feel great. I mean, 3-3, three and three, I'd throw a party on the strip. 3-3, three and three, I'd throw a party. I'd buy you all the Mandelo you can drink. 3-3 three and three is good by me because then it gets everybody calm and relaxed and you're good. 3-3 three and three is fine. 2-4 and four sucks. 1-5 and five is a disaster. So just stabilize the schedule. Win the games you're supposed to win. And Arizona's one of them. Arizona's been going through chaos. They signed Kyler Murray to a contract extension. They hit a clause in there that basically said that he doesn't do his homework. He's playing video games too much. He doesn't look at his playbook enough. He freaked out about it, rightfully so. It was embarrassing to his brand. They took it out. That was one of the biggest stories other than Deshaun Watson the entire offseason. Why did the Cardinals embarrass their franchise quarterback by putting in a clause that he has to study six hours a week? They did that because they know he doesn't study six hours a week. I like Kyler Murray. My son goes to Oklahoma. He was a Heisman Trophy winner there. I think he's really good. I think he has a chance of being elite. He's like in the Derek Carr boat, outside of being elite, having the opportunity to do it if they win games. And last year, he was the first to win 10. So that's a good football team. They got some good players, but they're going through some disarray. J.J. Watts hurt again. And DeAndre Hopkins' performance-enhancing drugs, he's not able to play until after week six. And they got humiliated against Kansas City. Now, the good news is Kansas City exposed them on the road. Kansas City, the road team, humiliated them. Bad news for the Raiders is they're not going to play that badly again. And they're really focused on winning this game in Las Vegas, so they don't go 0-2. And they have to win because they played so poorly, they know they're going to play better. So the Raiders have to start fast. They have to take their will away. They can't be in a situation late in the game where Kyler Murray can win the game with his legs and his feet the way that Russell Wilson was in that situation last night. All right, so we'll, we'll preview them all week long. I have two Cardinal insiders coming on. We'll touch on the Cardinals, and we'll do a deep dive on their roster later here in the week. Last night was magical. Yeah, I'm on the radio during the week on Sirius XM, and I'm on, the, I'm on the radio when this game is unraveling. And Geno Smith comes out and starts the game and goes the length of the field, scores a touchdown, everyone's going crazy. Right then, Denver was playing from behind. Kind of like the Raiders were playing from behind. The Raiders were down 17-3. to Remember that? So Denver never got anything going with Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson was really bizarre last night. 
He showed up to the game with a silver tuxedo. Not a suit. It was a tuxedo like he was going to the Grammys. I mean, something's in his head with his starlit wife and all this. He's, he's a great guy. He's got a children's hospital like Peyton Manning. He's a good guy. I mean, the guy has donated millions of dollars to children in hospitals. He's a good guy. But he's way out there. So he was really emotional last night. He never got going. And Seattle hung around. And then Denver started to fumble the ball in the red zone. Fumbled it into the end zone. I mean, and then Seattle couldn't get a quarterback sneak an inch. Remember, the, remember Tony Correnti with the index card? Same thing there. They, it looked like they got a first down, but they didn't give it to him. So everything that happened in that game, it, it let Seattle hang around. And they hung around late. But in a 17-16 game, Russell Wilson had the ball with all of his timeouts. And then everything unraveled for Denver and Nathaniel Cackett, the head coach. He mismanaged the clock with three timeouts. There was a third and 14, third and 14 with a $250 million quarterback in Russell Wilson. They gave him the franchise. They gave him the keys to the franchise, and they didn't let him go win the game. So on a third and 14, he throws a swing pass to a running back who fortunately got, you know, nine yards, which was impressive there. And then they let the clock tick down, and everybody in Seattle's going, what the hell's going on? Listen to Peyton Manning and Eli Manning on the brilliant ESPN Manning cast as this was happening in real time last night. We got three timeouts here. I might use one right here, E. Let's use one. Let's talk about this one. Let's talk about this one. They're going to try to draw, they can oh, try to draw them off sides. Might try to draw them off sides, E. You don't have that you much time. Snap count. You well, you don't want to waste that much time, I don't think. Yeah, I think we, I think we should call timeout, like now. <laughs> I well, think they're I running a play. They look, they look unsettled. Sutton doesn't know what he's doing. Hurry up. Hurry. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. What the? So you just burned Can 30 seconds to call a timeout? Oh, it gets better. That's Shannon Sharp, who's one of the biggest names. He might be the biggest name in all the media when it comes to social media impressions with all of his businesses. Shannon Sharp is huge. I'm talking massive. I know his agent. Shannon Sharp is much bigger than you think. So he's on the Manning cast, too. And he's a Broncos legend. And Peyton Manning was a Colts legend, but he's a Broncos legend. Listen to Shannon Sharp and Peyton Manning during all of this chaos. I mean, this is brilliant television. Check this out. They're going to kick it. They're going to kick it. Kick what? They're going to kick. They're kicking it right here? Kicking the field goal right here. Hold on. Oh. Let me see how far this is. 62-yarder. 63-yarder. What? Oh, that was great television. Shannon Sharp going, kick what? If he's smart enough, he should print out a T-shirt, kick what? In quotations, and make $2 million on T-shirts by the week. So then they kick a 64-yard field goal. So I'm on the radio live as this is happening, and I'm like going, what's going on here? Like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, this is chaos. Why should there be any chaos? They have Russell Wilson. He's supposed to calm the chaos. He's supposed to, shh, everything calm down. I got it. I'm Russell Wilson. We're good. Not the case. He couldn't handle it. Russell Wilson had delay of game penalties. His head wasn't right. It's a very important part of my monologue today which is very important to Raider fans on the flagship of the Raiders, is that Russell Wilson's head wasn't right. 
So you can talk about his offseason, his wife wanting to be traded. He's emotionally wears a silver tux. I'll get to him. He was not right mentally. He didn't take charge. You know, guys like Derek Carr, other guys are supposed to run up to the ref. Timeout, timeout, timeout. You got a minute to go. Well, cool. You got one. You got two timeouts left. Talk about it. Draw up another play. They didn't do any of this. So the head coach, Nate Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, and the quarterback completely melted down. Josh McDaniels didn't melt down. You know, they didn't melt down. Pete Carroll didn't melt down. Other people didn't melt down. Imagine if Josh McDaniels in his first game did something like this in his first game ever with the Raiders. The heat that he would get. It's hard to do what Nate Hackett did. He completely melted down. He lost his composure. He didn't know what to do. He was the head coach. He's supposed to have guys in his headset, people telling him what to do, and he couldn't do it. But he was supposed to have an insurance policy, and that was supposed to be Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson was supposed to be there and go, I got a coach. You, go, you stand over there and panic and not know how to deal with the timeouts. I got this. And then Hackett took the ball out of his hand. Now, here's the debate topic that I want to have with you today, which I did last night, and I thought it was excellent radio from the audience. What would you have done at that time on fourth and five? Here are your choices. It wasn't fourth and one, fourth and two. It was fourth and five. Would you go for it? I would have went for it with Russell Wilson for a number of reasons. But most importantly, it's a TV show. And Russell Wilson's returning to Seattle for his first ever game as a Bronco. And he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So at a minimum, at a minimum, the head coach knows this. And he goes, oh, my God, it's Russell Wilson. He's back home here in Seattle. We're going to let him play. We're going to let him do this. If we lose, we lose. But we're going to go down with Russ. He didn't do that. Then he kicks a 64-yard field goal, which at the time, McManus is a good kicker. Raider fans know McManus can make most of the kicks. But I didn't know at the time McManus was one of seven lifetime over 60 yards. So someone should have been in the ear of Nate Hackett saying, no, coach, no. He can't make this kick. He's only made one in his entire career. Number three. It turns out in the history of the Seattle Seahawks Stadium, which has had multiple names, no player has ever kicked a field goal over 57 yards. Wow, that shocked me. So then you know the history of the stadium, which is outdoors. No one's ever made a 60-plus yard kick, and you're going 64 yards. So with all of that data that he had in front of him or in his headset, because he's got how many coaches up top, they should have said, no, 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 use the timeout. Timeout, we're not going to make that kick. He's never made a kick like that on the road. No one's ever made a kick like this in the stadium. The odds are so far against us. Go with Russ. And then draw up a play for Russell Wilson. He rolls right. He throws across his body. He runs for a first down. Whatever he is. He's Russell Wilson. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer, no debate right now. So he's good. And they took the, they took the ball away from him. And they lost the game. Now, here's the hook to the monologue. I can tell you this. At no time in my career, ever, Have I seen a coach in his first game ever blow it that badly? Ever. I mean, you can go back in the history of the NFL, and I'm sure there's plenty of coaches that lost their first game and maybe some that lost dramatically, but never at this level. So today, everybody in Denver is panicking. I texted two Bronco insiders today with friends, and they said it's chaos on the radio. It's chaos in Denverland. You got knuckleheads on the radio who I'm looking at now who picked Denver to win the division. Remember those guys, they picked Denver to win the division? With all of this, they forget that Denver gave up draft equity. They gave up three players to get Russell Wilson. 
He doesn't have a lot of great players. They got a pretty good secondary, but Geno Smith tore them up. Denver's a good team. They're like the Chargers. They're very good. They got good rosters, but they're not great. They're not elite. So I thought last night was a really important moment for the Raiders. Here's why. We have Denver in Vegas in three weeks. The wheels could be coming off that team by the time they get here. The Raiders could be in a little bit of trouble if they don't get some wins going. This is going to bring chaos into that game coming up here in, in three weeks. I mean, the Raiders play Arizona at home. I'm going to Nashville with the team, the Titans, and then we come back and it's Denver. And I think it's an important moment for the Raiders because there's a little bit of chaos going on today in Denver. There's a lot of doubting and self-doubt. Now, I'm sure Denver will figure it out, and in their building they'll come together, just like the Raiders are tight in their building coming off the Chargers' loss. But, man, this is some good low-hanging fruit if you don't like the donkeys. If you're a Raider fan and you're concerned about it, what concerns me is the wild-card spot that I think the Raiders need to get. I don't have the Raiders winning the division. What, do you think I'm nuts? Winning the division? Kansas City's in the division. You've got to beat Kansas City once and then maybe twice before you start talking about the division. So the Raiders are playing for the wild card. Vegas has the Raiders at eight and a half wins. And it didn't go to nine for a reason, the schedule. So the Raiders need chaos in the AFC West. It doesn't have to be in interdivision games. It just need, means that the Raiders need the AFC West to lose, like the Chargers have done every year. Why do you think the Chargers don't make the playoffs? Because they lose a the game in Houston. They lose a the game here, and you go, man, the Chargers lost to that team? How'd they do it? Instead of the Chargers having 12 wins, they got 9 or 10. That's what happened to Denver last night. The Denver Broncos did the Raiders a big favor. Because if Denver won last night, and they should have, they should have, the Raiders would be 0-1, and, and everybody in the division would be 1-0. Now the Raiders have a team that's 0-1 with them. They play them here in a couple of weeks, and I think everybody calms down a bit after the Raider loss. So if you got an opinion on that game last night and how it affects the AFC West, the Broncos, the future of the Broncos, their head coach, and especially Russell Wilson. I had coffee today with a great guy in town here, a legendary guy. I leave his name off the radio, but I have coffee with him and with another buddy of mine. He's just a storyteller, great guy. He's got an unbelievable history from Delmar Racetrack to Saratoga to golf, historic golf stories, just a legend here in town. And a big gambler, too. And he didn't gamble on the game. But the first thing he told me today when we had coffee is he said, JT, Russell Wilson lost that game right from the beginning. Right from the beginning of the game, he wasn't ready to play. He, his head wasn't in the game. He didn't look right. And then he brought up a really good point to me. At the end of the game, instead of going into the locker room with his teammates, Russell Wilson took off his jersey and got on his knees on the field and signed his jersey to D.K. Metcalf. I said, what the hell is he doing? He can take off his jersey in the locker room. He can, he can FedEx and get the equipment guy. He can sign the jersey and FedEx it or leave it to, with the equipment guy before they get on the bus and go to the airport. I mean, he was a wackadoodle last night. Russell Wilson was out of his mind. He wore a, he wore a silver tuxedo and a bow tie to the game. And then after the game, he's signing a jersey and hugging all his teammates like he broke up with all of them. And he felt guilty and he wanted to come back. I mean, it was riveting television. Peyton Manning, Shannon Sharp freaking out. Everybody else freaking out. I wasn't planning on spending 20 minutes of my monologue on the Broncos on the flagship of the Raiders, but it's the biggest story out there. So Raider fans react to this and get your ass together and get to midseason form on this Cardinal game. This Cardinal game's a big game. 
Cardinals come in, the classic term, a wounded animal. They come in a wounded animal. Kingsbury looking at his quarterback going, I don't know. Quarterback looking at his coach going, I don't know. Owner going, hey, man, are we going to win a game here? The whole division and the Cardinals are in a great spot because the Niners lost and the Rams lost. So the Cardinals see Seattle in first place, and they're like, don't worry about them. Seattle's not going to win more than five games, and they're not. But the Cardinals are playing for their life right now. I don't think the Raiders are. This is a long-term move. Raiders are going to be fine with this GM and coach. They're going to lose some games this year. They're going to win some games this year. You know, if they get to the playoffs, which I think they will, it'll be great, and we'll, we'll start over again in the playoffs. It's an important game for both franchises. I think Raider Nation's got to show up big at Allegiant Stadium. It's got to be really strong. Everybody's got to be excited about this game. And the, what the Raiders need to do, I believe, is they have to start fast, and they got to get Derek Carr going. So let's uh, wrap up the monologue by talking about Carr. Wow. Okay, here's the deal with Derek. Full confidence in him. On a scale of 1 to 10, I have a 10 in confidence with Derek Carr, especially after a bad game because that's who he is. He'll fix it. He'll go in there and fix it. What I'm concerned about with Derek is how badly he missed the throws. I'm not concerned about the decisions. The decision to go to De- uh, Devontae in the end zone on that interception was the right one. The decision to go to Waller as he was heading upfield and open was the right decision. The, the, the short pass to Hunter was just, I thought, a bad decision in coverage and a terrible throw. And then Derek in the pocket. The problem with Derek in this game was Derek, once again, didn't have great pocket presence. It might have been better than you're suggesting you, the fans. You know, Josh McDaniel said in his press conference, you know, Derek's the only one in the pocket. He sees what's happening with the blitz. He sees what's happening in front of him. You know, but Derek didn't have that moment where he saw the pocket breaking down and just took off. We're not going to deal with the season where Derek's not running, right? We're not going there, right? We're not going to deal with the season where Derek isn't running. Like Derek, when the pocket breaks down, has got to take off. He's got to get 9, 10, 11 yards because everybody else is downfield with Devontae. The safeties are deep downfield with Devontae and Hunter's running this radical crossing route and Waller's going up and out. If the pocket is breaking down, Derek's got to take off and run. Now, to his credit, Russell Wilson didn't last night. Russell Wilson's much better than Derek outside the pocket with his legs. No one would debate that issue, and he didn't do anything last night. He didn't run. He could have ran for – there were times they showed there were 10 yards in front of Russell Wilson, and he missed the throw. So for Derek, pocket presence, didn't think it was impressive. The protection wasn't impressive. We knew that. And then the decisions were okay. I thought the decisions were really good, but the passes weren't good. So Derek's got to have a bounce-back game here where he just comes out. Now, what I'd like to hear from Raider Nation the rest of the week is what would you do with the game plan with Derek after that performance? What would you do? Play, play Josh McDaniel on the radio with me. Would you go right to a running game? Would you go to a conservative passing game in this game in the first quarter to get Hunter going? Would you get Matt Collins going? What would you do in this game, the screen game? That wasn't very impressive. That needed to be. What would you do to get Derek comfortable in the next game? He doesn't need fans to make him comfortable or me, a blabber on the radio. He doesn't need that, but that's what I'm doing. I got two hours to fill. What do you think we need to do to get Derek going in this game? 
Is it come out four wide and throw a bomb and get a flag and get a 30-yard flag? Is it run the ball and just run it right at him and wear him out? Coleccio Semele is in the, in the building getting a workout, as Vinny Bonsignor reported. Hasn't played in a damn long time. A real long time. I think he's better than pretty much everyone other than Colt Miller on that offensive line. If he's available for a song and a dance and a cup of coffee, I'd, I'd bring him in. Why not? He's a hell of a player, but he hasn't played in a long time. But he's a big body, and he knows how to do it. He knows the playbook. He knows his assignments. I'm wondering what's going to happen there. Obviously, the Raiders are bringing in offensive linemen to take a look at. So that's all I got. 25 minutes of me, hopefully some of you, and all of our guests, Steve Mariucci, will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll go around the league with him. Also talk about that Raider Charger game, what he saw from NFL Network, breaking down film, 702-365-9200. Let me see here. Oh, stock market's down 1,100 now. Woke up, it was down 8. Nice. Beautiful day. Working for free today. Get me a Modelo in about an hour and a half. I'll wash it down smooth. Steve Mariucci, the mooch. Love talking to him. He's Raider friendly. He's going to join us next. You know, I think I've said this before, at least me personally. I don't I, I really do not care if I have, you know, five catches the whole year or a hundred. If we win, that's all that matters. And so my job as a receiver is to go out there and you know the the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So we're going to watch film. And if I run a good route and I'm open, then I did my job, right? Um I just gotta keep doing that and we gotta as a team keep doing our own jobs and eventually we'll be, you know, proud of the success. But you know, if we we start trying to see who the ball's being thrown to or this or that, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to be average. And so we just got to take it upon ourselves and take pride in um, you know, doing our best every play. That's Hunter Renfro. Does he say everything right or what? And again, look at the film. There are guys paid to do that. Will he run better routes? Will he be involved more? There's only one football as we continue. Jeremy Fowler reporting from ESPN, the Las Vegas Raiders assigning former first round pick Billy Price to the practice squad per source has a chance for evaluation for elevation to the 53 man roster as Raiders have been looking for O-line help Bengals former top pick started for the Giants last year so that's a developing story and Q will get into that and uh, we'll talk about that coming up here over the next couple of days is the offensive linemen that are in the building and the ones that they're taking a look at and clearly you know I think Dave Ziegler did a good job looking at other offensive linemen in the offseason. And when he did, he didn't find any that he thought was worthy of bringing in because they liked the rotation that they had. So we'll get back to that in a minute. It is always my pleasure to welcome in Steve Mariucci, longtime friend, NFL Network analyst. You can see Steve every Sunday on NFL Network's NFL Game Day morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Coach, good to talk to you. I hope you had a great offseason. How are you and the family? <laughs> JT. Good to talk to you again. We had a great off season, but here we go again, man. Let's start this season up. And what an unbelievable uh, opening oh. weekend that we had! My goodness, there was a lot of great games and and uh, some overreaction Monday. <laughs> uh, you know, 
some teams aren't as good as you they may you may think they are, and some teams aren't as bad as you might think they are. And so we're getting a little bit of everything, but uh, you're going to expect that when when players are not playing much in the preseason, you yeah. know. So you just don't know what you're going to get sometimes. But anyway, great to be back with this season. It's going to be a doozy, huh? No doubt. Hey, coach, quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason with three and eight. And you've been around this league for such a long time. Do you make a big deal of that? Is this just a trend? It could change next year, and they could all open up with wins and not play a game in the preseason. Have you evolved on this topic, or it's always been the same? It's not always been the same. It's 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 evolved into not playing guys, and it's not just quarterbacks who were not playing. Uh, it's it's starters in a lot of instances, mm-hmm. and so what we get is a September preseason kind of thing with some guys. Um, and then you see, and then it's funny, you see some guys like Brady or Patrick Mahomes and some of these guys, they play. Their coaches let them play and, and they like to play. And heck, Andy Reid has always done that when he and I and Groods were together in Green Bay and learning how to do this. We always played Favre in, in the preseason and, and Andy's done that. He's won eight, uh, first week games in a row now because why? His team is really battle tested a little bit in the preseason and a little bit more ready. Than uh, than the opponent, and so, it, but you know what? There's there's a give and take there too. At least you're assured of your t- your team being healthy for that opener. We, we have too many injuries, as you know, and uh, gosh, we had a few more key injuries this weekend. But every time we play the game, there's there's going to be guys going down. So I think people with all the money these guys are making and um, trying to put a good roster together, they're they're leaning towards just saving them for the opener. Steve Mariucci's our guest. Coach, what do you think in real time when Russell Wilson didn't have an opportunity to go for it on fourth and five and Nate Hackett decided to kick a 64-yarder? Tough decision for a head coach. You've been there before. I know it in the, in the new, you know, the new head coaches, and uh, Nathaniel Hackett's one of them, won six games in their opening debuts uh, mm-hmm. this, this weekend. And so um, I mean, he, had a chance, he had a chance to be the seventh uh rookie head coach to win but what a finish that was that in the game you know it seems to be decided on that drive but heck when you fumble a couple times inside the one um it's it's a game that really no pun intended slipped away mm-hmm. um it was really interesting i i thought russell wilson would get a little bit warmer reception going back to seattle but uh <laughs> those fans are nuts and they uh they, you know they're booing them and all that stuff like they do and he's an opponent now but uh you know, that AFC West is going to be really something all the way through because I think Denver will be much better than they showed against Seattle, and I think the Raiders will will be fine. And, of course, we know the Chargers and the Chiefs are really, really good teams too. So that division is ridiculous. Yeah, what do you think of Carr? He had three interceptions. I said they were... They were good decisions. They were bad throws. When you have a quarterback that makes the right read and a good decision and he just, Coach, doesn't make a great throw typically like he does, how do you yeah. coach that? What do you just do? Yeah. Just leave him alone. He'll build up his confidence. He'll make better throws yeah. next week. You know, they got down 17-3, to and I like the way they fought back. And, and, and I also like the way the Raider fans travel to that game. You know, our office, our studio is right across from SoFi. And... <laughs> I saw I saw them coming in, man, and everybody had a black jersey on, and and uh, that, that seemed like about seventy percent of the stadium was Raider fans. Um, but you know, every interception has its own story. Meaning, you know, like you mentioned, sometimes it's a 
a guy forces the ball into coverage. Sometimes the ball is dropped or tipped. Sometimes uh, you make a bad throw. Sometimes you know you, you lose vision, and or sometimes the defense just makes a great play, and so stuff like that will happen. But I, I, I like I like the Raiders team. I think uh, you know they. Their car was under duress the whole damn game, right? You're talking about six sacks, but 22 pressures, 22 pressures. That means this is different than practice, isn't it? It's not seven on seven. It's not wearing a red jersey. It, this is where it's different uh, when when everything's live, and uh, you know, it, and uh, you know, of course, the Chargers have a hell of a pass rush. Joey Bosa and, and uh, Khalil Mack and some of the others too. It's just a good team. Um, but Derek was under duress the entire day. You know, we knew damn well that that, that Devontae Adams was going to get 17 targets. We just knew it because that's that's why they have them. That's what they're going to try to do. However, um, I like what Hunter Renfro said, you know, before I went on. Um, he really handled that very well like a pro, didn't he? Because it, it's going to happen where the whole world knows that Devontae Adams is getting a lot of targets, and he's going to command the double team most of the time, and the other guys are going to get singles. And so the Wallers and the Renfos of the world are going to get more catches as time goes on, no doubt. Steve Mariucci's our guest. A couple of quarterback other questions, Coach, before we let you go. That Dallas is in a tough spot with the DAC uh, injury. You pay him that much money, you're not going to have a high-priced backup. You know, There's only one Jimmy Garoppolo before I get to the 49ers. So the quandary that the Cowboys are in now, you know, your backups in that organization are supposed to know the playbook better, supposed to be able to execute it. But Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, you can hear the concern in their voice as they got to win some games here and hope that they're still in this thing when Dak comes back. You know, I mean, yeah, when Dak comes back, and I mean, like, if he comes back, I mean, I'm not gloom and doom. I'm, I'm hoping that he comes back as soon as possible. But where they got another seven games and then a bye. But when you have screws and plates and things in your throwing hand, that's a new one now. I mean, I, I don't remember many quarterbacks ever having that kind of a surgery during the season, do you? But they they got to sit down and decide, you know, this Cooper Rush kid from Central Michigan, he's been there for a long time. I mean, 2017, he was a free agent. They grabbed him, and then he's been around, so he knows the system very well. So he's the he's – the, the easy answer for this week's game, right? Play the guy, start the guy. He's he's started one game before and he won it uh, over there at the Vikings. But you know, then you got to say, is our backup Cooper Rush better now than the other backups that are out there in the league? And and obviously Jimmy G is a backup somewhere, and he's only making six and a half million dollars, so he's tradable. That's doable for the Niners, and it's doable for the uh for the other team because it's mm-hmm. not a 24 million dollar contract but if jimmy doesn't want to go there there's always guys like tyler huntley or even sam darnold or tyrod taylor or mason rudolph there are other backups that they have to decide hey evaluate let your pro scouting department decide who's a higher rated quarterback than cooper Rush, and is it worth spending that money if if, if in fact we know Dak's coming back this year can Cooper Rush win four games for us? Is, is is some of this keep us in the hunt? The Eagles, because Washington's not a very good team, and you know, I, it, the Eagles right now seem to be in the in the driver's seat mm-hmm. now that Dak's gone. But Dak's not the only problem over there, JT. <laughs> Dak, he got hurt when they were down nineteen to three. 
They've got other issues, too, now. they got offensive line issues, like you mentioned, the Raiders. Did. They have receiver issues. You know, they lost Amari Cooper and, and Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup's hurt. I mean, they have issues, man. It's not just Dak. So they got to decide how, you know, is the season salvageable this early? Do we just go with Cooper Rush? Is he good enough? They know him better than anybody. Hey, Coach, wrapping this up, I want to talk about you a little bit with all the changes that are happening around the NFL, Amazon Prime, your buddy Al Michaels goes from Sunday night yeah. to Thursday night. Joe Buck and Aikman last night on ESPN. That was interesting. I'm watching Peyton yeah. Manning and Eli on the Manning cast. Yeah, You've been at NFL Network for a while. It's really been a good fit for you. And just tell us about what you're doing on Sunday mornings and throughout the week as you're a big part of the team there and the vision of NFL Network in the past and especially going forward. Yeah, JT, it's the longest I ever had a job, okay? I've got 17 <laughs> years. Wow. <laughs> 17 years I've been doing this stuff, man. After after I got let go in Detroit, um, you know, I, I had some chances to get back on the field and coach. And, and uh, here's here's what I thought. You know, when you're, you're younger and you're trying to climb the ladder or if you get fired, you have to regroup. I moved my wife 18 times. She got kind of tired of that sort of thing. But, but you make professional decisions moving up, right? But then later on in your career, you start making family decisions. Like, what's best for my family? Do I want to move my kids again? Do I move? Do I want to move away from my kids? You know, all those sort of things. So television, you know this. It's it's you can live any darn place you want, and you just fly in for the for your on air day. Whether it's in L.A. studio, which is our which is right across from SoFi, it's brand new. It's the Taj Mahal. It's awesome. Or if you're going to the after games, I did Thursday night football for 14 years, mm-hmm. but I, I love it. I, I'm the old, I'm the grandpa down there now. Rich Eisen started the NFL Network, yeah. right? And I and I'm the next highest tenured guy down there, next to Rich. And I, it, you know, I'm like a fossil. And it, these new kids coming in, they they, they call me Grandpa Mooch, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I love the guys I work with, Kurt Warner and Irv and, and Rich. They're great, man. We have a blast. I, you know, it's. Uh, it's a little bit of a different show because we just have so much darn fun. But I, I love it, and, you know, I, I hope to keep doing it. Uh, you will. You're a tremendous asset to the NFL, to NFL Network, and your family and friends. Coach, you know how much I appreciate our conversations. I hope to see you soon and talk to you again around the corner. Thanks for having me on, and, JT, we'll do this again. You're darn right. You have got it. Thank day, you, man. Coach. Thank you, Coach. Okay. Appreciate it. Steve Mariucci. It's an honor to know him. Talk to him going back to with Coach Madden, the bocce ball tournament, and have an opportunity to do my show from there and afterwards have a glass of wine with Coach Mooch. And those are big, those are big moments in my life, man, up in the Bay Area. You know, to do that and to help Coach Mooch out and have him. And he was really tight with Coach Gruden and Coach Madden and Mr. Davis when he was alive. Big part of my career on the radio. And yeah, second longest tenured guy there. Rich Eisen comes on before us every day on Raider Nation Radio. So that's where we're at. Happy to be able to get him. Uh, Babe Lothenberg is going to join us at the top of the hour. I had him booked also. He's a Cowboys radio analyst. Big name in Dallas on Dak Prescott and the injury. Jeff Sherman's going to join us next from the Westgate. And then uh, Levi Edwards is going to join us inside the Raider facility on the press conferences today where he was sitting up front and asking questions. And we'll take a look at what the Raiders have done, uh, bringing in a new center which I think was important here because we know how severely the concussion was, how to leave in an ambulance, and what happened to the Raiders center. So Andre James and what happened there. So Dave Ziegler's making moves today 
I'll sit down with the coach on Thursday for our second interview with him coming off the loss and getting ready to preview what's going to happen with Arizona. We are brought to you by Resorts World. Proud to announce that I'll be there for Monday Night Football this Monday early. Around 3.30, 4 o'clock, there's an early Monday night football game. Head to Resorts World, park for free, come out of the elevators. You'll see their beautiful theater where Kerry Underwood and Blake Shelton perform at. And then right there I am at Doghouse. That's where the sports book is. Luke Bryan, excuse me. I like all the country stuff. My wife loves country music. I mix it up from time to time. But I love Resorts World and we'll be there for... Some Monday night football engagements, and my first one is this upcoming Monday. So I hope you can come out and see Doghouse inside Resorts World. Chargers with some confusion. They move Michael Davis. From the right side of the defense, now he's on. Devontae Adams, who's in the slot to the right. Snap for Carr, on third down. Pressure comes, lobs it for the end zone, over the shoulder. It's caught! TDLV! Brandon Bolden over his shoulder. Got two feet down inside the pylon. And for the first time in 2022, the Raiders in the end zone. Jason Horowitz on the call. JT back with you as we continue on. Jeff Sherman joins us. VP of risk management over at the Westgate. Jeff, big picture out of the gate on the quarterbacks that didn't play three and eight, uh, all the close games, a record week one. What were some of the bigger trends that you saw at the book and especially with the public, a public perspective on what happened? Well, we usually see a lot of teasers early on, and you saw you didn't have many uh, spreads over seven. The highest we had was seven this week with the uh, the Texans and Colts. Everything else was less. That was really unique. But we had a lot of teaser play from the general public, and you expect to see that. Uh, then you had the tie. We had one tie, almost two. So, you know, you get a lot of questions about that. You know, what happens to my money line bet, which is obviously a refund. So a unique situation with that. But, um, you know, just how how the ties are affected with that and and, uh, and then the teasers too how about the massive line change how do you see it at the westgate with the cowboys hosting cincinnati with the dak prescott move how much did you move the line yeah i mean we had on the when we opened it up on sunday we had uh, dallas a two-point favorite and then after the game was concluded uh we reopened it seven on cincinnati and you know when you cross zero that takes some of it into account so it's mm-hmm. not purely a nine-point move but um, we took some money on on uh, Cincinnati now, and we're up to seven and a half. We were as high as eight, but we're settled at uh, Cincinnati minus seven and a half now. So a large difference. I'm interested in the low total. I think it's. Uh, let me double check here. I think you have it forty two and a half for Chicago and Green Bay, and Green Bay a ten point favorite in this game. Green Bay was awful in their first game. Chicago. I don't know how you handle like that in the weather, and this is a rivalry game in a division. Yeah, there's just still a lot of people that don't trust the Bears' offense, and we've taken some sharp money on the under here. We were at 44.5, now 42.5, and And we did open this Green Bay minus 9, and it's been bet up to 10. So even though the Bears had a nice performance against San Francisco, still not a lot of trust in them. Here in Vegas, the Raider line moved kind of significantly here. You have it 5.5 as the Raiders are favored at home. Normally not that big of a favorite. Is it because Arizona looked that badly without Hopkins, the injury to Watt? What do you see here with the line moving there? 51.5 is the total. 
Yeah, we were a bit surprised. We opened the Raiders three and a half and got that up to four and a half and then took more sharp money up to five and a half. And, you know, we, we did see the move uh, with the Chiefs against the Cardinals last week. And then based on, like you said, the performance, partly performance, partly injury-based. But there's not a lot of people that want to be involved with the Cardinals right now. And, you know, the Raiders were involved in a close game with the Chargers. So there's still a lot of support for them. I see the hook there at three and a half for Baltimore at home against Miami. I thought Miami looked really good. We knew New England had problems coming into the season. A couple of explosive plays for the Dolphins now who have to travel to take on Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson looked pretty good in his opener. Yeah, and we started this one out Baltimore minus four and have taken some sharp money on the Dolphins down to three and a half. And uh, part of that move, I believe, is, you know, Baltimore lost their cornerback, and so he's not going to be playing. And uh, but it, two high-profile teams, and the Dolphins have been, we're anticipating a lot of Dolphin support this year. It was on them last week against New England. Uh, this should be a very well-bet game. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate in Vegas. New Orleans has played Tampa really tough on the road and at home here. Sure, an interesting game to handicap there. I see a lot of the money there on Tampa Bay, but you know, between two and a half and three there, do you expect some more support coming up here for Tampa Bay or some sharp money coming in at New Orleans at home? Well, I, exactly what you said there. I think there'll be sharp support on the Saints, and we did see a little bit of that. And then the public will be all over Tampa because anytime you have them as a short road favorite and they just need to almost win the game, you get a lot of support. We saw it against Dallas. It would, Tampa was two and a half on Sunday night against Dallas, and we really needed Dallas, and Tampa got there for the public. So I'm sure the public will be betting uh, Tampa Bay in this one. Wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman, I saw you put out uh, Super Bowl odds. You updated them there uh, earlier today. Any significant changes there? Buffalo still the favorite at five to one. Yeah, well, some of the teams that have made some moves: Minnesota down from thirty to one down to sixteen to one. Mm. The Eagles from twenty-five to fourteen. We did move the Raiders up from twenty to forty, and I know last week we talked about how we opened them at eighty. So they're basically half of what they started and double what they were last week. Uh, and then the Chiefs made a nice move. They were double digits. Now they're back down to 8-1, to where a lot of people are used to seeing them at. What was the liability like with college football? Just this massive chaos with upsets. Can you compare this to a time earlier in your career where you saw this much uncertainty in the market here when it comes to college football and all the chaos that we've seen? Yeah, well, you know, the, the numbers, too, are better than they've ever been. I mean, even when you open these numbers, you see a lot of two-way action on them um, early in the week, and then it comes back. And, you know, we had a lot of support, like, for instance, the Alabama-Texas game. You know, we opened that 20, got that down a little bit. It closed Alabama 21. The public was all over Alabama, all over Alabama first half. And that's been a trend that they've been on in Alabama first half. But when they don't cover like they did last week, some people relax a bit, maybe not pull the trigger so quickly next time. So, uh, a lot of parity, like you said, against these numbers and upsets like we saw on Saturday. So, interesting times. Last one on the Dodgers with them clinching and clinching so easily. They have some pitching injuries here. When we come to World Series odds going forward, the Yankees kind of stabilized their collapse. I think Houston's a better team in the American League. Any pushback on the Dodgers here? The Dodgers look to be a heavy favorite, and they have the opportunity to rest and peak again at the right time. Yeah, we're sitting at plus 325 on the Dodgers, still getting a lot of support for them. And Houston's right behind at 7-2. to two. And like you mentioned, the Yankees have been fluctuating, but now they're back down to 6-1. to one. Atlanta's been a hot team lately, 7-1. to one. A lot of support for them, too. So, you know, those, those are the teams that are really commanding a lot of interest right now. Outstanding information, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Very important. We get gambling into the show. 
You can hear about the moving lines. Buffalo still a Super Bowl favorite. Clearly talked about the Raiders. This Raider game, very interesting. Raider Nation, how do you feel about that? The line opened up Las Vegas minus two and a half, and now it's five and a half. DraftKings has the Raiders a six-point favorite. That's a big number. I know Raider fans could care less. They want to win the game. I don't care about the point spread in week two with the Raiders. Go win the game. A Cowboy hit coming up at the top of the hour. Levi Edwards will join us from the facility. And Tommy White from the 872 Laborers. Sat with him in his suite for Motley Crue, Def Leppard. A couple of good stories there. Hour number two on deck. Brought to you by Meetup Vegas. The code words JT Brick.